in Out of Africa, the beautifully written 1937 novel about her farm in Kenya, Danish author Isaac Dennison describes a night hunt for two lions that have been killing her oxen. She and her friend, Denny's Fitch Hatton, planned the trip with trepidation, and this is how she describes it. At nine o'clock, we went out. It rained a little, but there was a moon. From time to time, she put out her dim white face high up in the sky behind layers and layers of thin clouds and then was dimly mirrored in the white flowering coffee field. We passed the school at a distance. It was all lighted up. At this sight, a great wave of triumph and pride in my people swept through me. I thought of King Solomon, who said, The slothful man saith, There is a lion in the way, there is a lion in the streets. Here were two lions just outside their door, but my school children were not slothful and had not let the lions keep them from school. We found our marked row of the coffee trees, paused for a moment, and then proceeded up between them, one in front of the other. We had moccasins on and walked softly. I began to shake and tremble with excitement. I dared not come too close to Denny's for fear that he might feel it and send me back, but I dared not keep too far away from him either, for he might need my torchlight at any moment. The lions, we found afterwards, had been on the kill. When they heard us or smelt us, they had walked off it a little way into the coffee field to let us pass, probably because they thought that we were passing too slowly. One of them gave a very low, hoarse growl in front of and to the right of us. It was so low that we were not even sure that we had heard it. Denny's stopped a second. Without turning, he asked me, Did you hear? Yes, I said. If you are like me, your body knows when you are about to do something courageous. It knows even before your conscious mind does that danger is around, and it knows that you are going to do something anyway. My body tells me when courage is needed by pretty much freaking out. <laughs> For days before I have to confront someone or some situation, I begin to rehearse it in my mind and sometimes out loud. I'm sure you've never done this, where you have the entire conversation filling both your part and the other person's part in. I practice the confrontation knowing full well that it will not go as I rehearsed, but it's somehow comforting to imagine what the other person might say. At times I try to put off the confrontation. At times I search for a way around the danger. But usually in the end, I can suck up the courage to deal with the danger head on. Not that my body signals get any less dramatic when I actually confront the situation. 
Adrenaline rushes, my breathing becomes shallower, my voice may crack or fluctuate, I can feel beads of sweat rolling down my back, my fingers and toes go just a little bit numb, and in really difficult situations, the corner of one eye will begin to twitch. Despite all indications from my body that I should run away from a stressful confrontation, courage keeps me there, trying to work through it. I know that I'm not the only person that experiences stressful situations this way. Whether one is saying something unpopular or reasoning with a person who is saying something unpopular, the body reacts. Whether the confrontation is with a partner children, a parent, a neighbor, a co-worker, or even with somebody at church, the body reacts. Whether one is being fired or doing the firing, the body reacts. It is the mind's job in stressful situations to determine the true nature of the danger and to meet it with the right amount of courage. 400 of the longest hours of my life were spent one summer in San Francisco working as a chaplain in a hospital. The Unitarian Universalist Association, as Joe well knows, requires one unit of clinical pastoral education from every potential minister. Now that I am through with my unit, I am glad that the UUA requires it. But if you had asked me that summer... Where I wanted to be, I would have said anywhere but that hospital. Coming from a working-class background, I have an arm's-length approach to doctors and hospitals. On the cattle ranch I grew up on, someone had to be bleeding or unable to walk before you sought medical assistance. Doctors cost money, precious money we did not have. Hospitals were a place of last resort. Likewise, stalwart rancher types keel over at home, if not in the saddle. Hospitals weren't even the place you went to die. Imagine my horror, then, to have to spend 400 hours in an inner-city hospital being a chaplain to people whom I had never met. Imagine that horror increasing when I was assigned to the skilled nursing facility, just a euphemism for the place folks go to die. Add to all of this the expectation that I would interact with other seminarian chaplains and our supervisor. These interactions were designed to make us grow as ministers. Read Confrontation. Yikes. Get me out of there. I started my countdown of the 400 hours before the first week was through. Never in my life have I wanted to do something less than show up at that hospital every morning at 8.30 a.m., I rode the subway there every morning with a heavy heart and a prayer on my lips. I rode the subway home every afternoon with the relief that another day had passed and tears in my eyes because it was so hard. Through all of this, 
I was supposed to provide pastoral care to the ill and dying. Uh, Through all of this, I was supposed to meet people where they were. I was to minister to atheists and Jews and fundamentalist Christians. I was supposed to get beyond myself so that God's love might shine through me to those in pain. I was supposed to see that there was God in every person and respond accordingly. Good luck with that. I don't really know what got me through those interminable 400 hours. Maybe it was my classmate, Fran, who struggled as much as I did and who could talk things through with me. Maybe it was the compassion of our supervisor who could see that we were struggling and assured us that we were doing all right anyway. Maybe it was the hospital staff that never questioned my right to visit patients, and even occasionally referred me to someone. Maybe it was the really good chili eggplant dish at the Chinese restaurant up the street, marking another lunch, another day half over. And maybe what got me through those difficult days was an inner courage that I didn't realize I had. Maybe it was a courage inspired in me from a source beyond my fathoming. Maybe it was prayer. Maybe it was just the beautiful summer California sun that absorbed my fear as I walked back to the subway each afternoon. Whatever it was, it got me through. Now, we all have lions in our lives. We all have things that we do not want to do, but that we know we must. The lions we must confront will not kill us, but they might draw some blood. If the threat we face is grave enough to kill us, it is not a lion, but something needing a different answer than courage. A metaphorical lion will not put us in true bodily danger. It will never ask us to endure abuse. It will never want us to suffer needlessly. The lions of our lives come as challenges to take us to deeper places. Yes, the risk of failure is always present, but the risk of success is also present, too. I could have failed in my hospital chaplaincy. I could have quit could have done a poor job. I could have closed my off to the self off to the patients and staff and marked the time until it was over. Or I could have hidden, like one of our fellow chaplains did, every day in the public library next door to the hospital. It really was all too much for him. But a worthy lion invites us to shake its paw It invites us into relationship. We shake the lion's paw knowing full well that what in doing so, we will be changed. In summoning the courage to approach the lion, we summon the courage to do the thing that frightens us. In finding the courage to overcome adversity, that is at the heart of the human condition. There's never been a time in human history when we did not have difficult things to overcome, and I suspect there never will be. There was no time without danger. There was no time without risk. 
no time without uncertainty. And the lion's appearance at Chinese New Year reminds us that we face challenges every day in our lives, and we also experience opportunities. In fact, the Chinese character for risk is the same Chinese character as opportunity. They are one and the same. A risk is always an opportunity, just as an opportunity is always a risk. You shake hands with the lion, and the lion shakes hands back with you. We are in relationship with the dangers in our lives. We affect them, and they affect us. The hashtag MeToo campaign that has recently gotten new traction in our country is a lion of opportunity, if I ever saw one. In unprecedented numbers, women are confronting the debilitating reality of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And many good men are joining them in this campaign. While the repercussions of the Me Too campaign will touch every corner of our society, from politicians and celebrities down to bosses and co-workers, it is past time that we confront the exploitation men have too long thought they could have over women. The repercussions will also reach into the religious realm. Having already caused a spike in complaints the UUA has received against ministers and lay leaders who have been inappropriate in the past. This behavior has to stop. No one should be exploited. No woman should feel unsafe here or anywhere else in American society. A lion stands before us, waiting for you and me to shake its hand. The collective body of our congregation might begin to sweat and shake as we reach for this extended paw, but we must reach for it nonetheless. There, is like, there likely has been inappropriate behavior here as well. There are surely women and men here this morning whose lives have been adversely affected by sexual harassment and sexual assault. It must stop. Now, you have already known lions. If you are a woman, you have known lions. If you are a person of color, you have known lions. If you are elderly, you have known many, many lions. If you have cancer, have had cancer, or some other life-threatening illness, you have known lions. If you've been married or divorced or widowed, you have known lions. If you've raised children or grandchildren, you've known lions. Young or old, rich or poor, male or female, gay or straight, or anything in between, you have known lions as I have known lions. I'd like each of you to think for a moment about one lion you need to shake hands with in the coming year. Just one, that's enough. What one thing, what is one thing that you want to change about your life for the better? What one relationship do you want to improve?
What is one challenge you face to have a better job, a better social life, a better family life? What frightens you in a way that it also calls up courage from deep within you? Close your eyes for a moment if you are comfortable. Think about your lion. Imagine the lion in your mind. See how big it is. Imagine its color and shape. Does it roar ferociously? What power does it have over your life? Give your lion a name, for there is power in naming. Now approach the lion. See its paw extended to you. Put your hand in its paw. Feel the power of courage course through you. Feel the roar of the lion become a purr. Shake hands with the lion and receive its blessing. Open your eyes when you are ready, knowing you now have the courage you need. To fail or succeed is not important. What is important is to try. May your lions be only as fierce as you need them to be. May your hand be steady as it meets the lion's paw. And may you know love and courage in the new year. So be it. Amen.